Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. A great visit here with ESPN's Brian Windhorst. We get deep into talk about tampering, salary cap circumvention, and the NBA's attempt here to try and change the way business is done in NBA free agency. And we get into what that may all look like moving forward for the league. Here's my visit with Brian Windhurst. Welcome into Brian Windhorse, the host of the Hoop Collective podcast on ESPN and the author of the New York Times bestseller, LeBron Inc. Brian, good morning. How are you? Hi, Woach. How is your jet lag from China um, Boy, start, starting no to joke. dissipate? No. Yeah, a little bit. You know, this is the thing, like... Um Unless you've spent time in Asia, I don't think you can understand what what it means to come back. And I bring this up every year. And it doesn't always hold true, but it holds true quite a bit that the teams that come back um, from Asia have a little bit of a penalty that they have to pay for the preseason. Uh, It's not as bad from Europe. And this year, I think for the first time ever, we have six teams going to Asia. You know, typically, you know, there's always two teams that go to China. Then there, then there's usually two teams that go to to go to Europe, and for a while, like when they're like, like I went to Rio de Janeiro before the Olympics, they always send a team or two. So, you know, the Europe thing is is uh, not as bad. Well, this year the Olympics next year in Tokyo, so uh, the Rockets and Raptors are going to Tokyo, and then the the China trip, which is normal and it's a mm-hmm. high profile one this year, Lakers and Nets, and then for the first time ever, we have two teams going to India. Uh, which is going to be even harder because you're even, you're even further out of whack in terms of the uh, time difference. Uh, the Kings, obviously Vivek, um, and Pacers are going to India, and there's a and there's a couple of guys who are making both trips. Uh, Joe Harris, right. uh, Harrison Barnes, um, so uh, and there's and um, some other guys uh, like uh, Mark Gasol with the Raptors, with well, just one in uh, in in China, and they immediately go back. It's a few weeks later, but it's no, it's no joke. And, and so I would just say, um, for those six teams, um, coming back and starting the season, uh, I would not expect them to be 100% because I'm, I've been back for five days and I'm still not sleeping correctly yet. Yeah. I, I haven't gone. I almost purposely just don't go overseas now because of there's no downtime anymore where you could say, okay, these five or six days, you know, my clock could be different than the clock here, and I won't end up being up all the time. And so I've, I, I think that'll probably change. Maybe with the Olympics last year, I do remember being in London at the Olympics in was that 2012. Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the Dwight Howard trade happening. I remember like sitting on a floor in a lobby of the hotel at like 4:30 in the morning, reporting out that Dwight Howard uh, trade to. The Lakers, right? Four teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it happened in August, so for it sure. It was August, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just remember filing my expenses at the end of that trip. And I guess it's really not that long ago, but I do remember phone. Somebody reminded me of this recently. My phone bill from that Olympics, I think I put in for like $8,000. Um, you're, you're, you're kidding me. No. And um, 
I put it. I think I put in for an eight thousand dollar phone bill. You are. That's. That's. I'm. I don't know. I'm speechless. It, it was now. I just think the way long distance carriers are. It's. You know. It's different. Obviously, you wouldn't. But but then, you just were paying whatever it was per. You know. I mean, I remember having forty five fifty minute call. It, it a lot. Of, well, I don't want to say it was all around that one trade. It wasn't that much, but but it was a few days anyway. So Dwight Howard, that that trade ended up not even being worth the eight thousand dollar phone bill. Much yeah, less especially, the, uh, especially the uh, Sixers. Yeah, the injured yeah. buying part of that didn't work out great. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big inefficient mess, taking up too much time and too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly, right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Woj. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash Woj, W-O-J, to download your free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Woj. I want to get Brian to quickly to the the tampering uh, agenda that the Board of Governors passed on Friday uh, in New York, um, not without some consternation, without some debate among teams. I think there was, you know, I think Adam Silver really targeted the owners on this one and made this a conversation with them. Now, I know they did go to every team basketball ops and get a sense of uh, what rules, you know, how some things in practice, uh, some things they had in theory might go in practice. I know one thing that they backed off of that after talking to some teams was the idea that if an agent approaches you about, uh, if an agent approaches a team about talking about a free agent prior to the June 30th, 6 p.m., that you had to immediately turn them in, and they realize that's not really how the real world's going to work, and it's it's probably not beneficial for relationships. No one would do it, and w- what's the point of having it? But uh, I, I do think what's going to be most interesting, Brian, and I know you've given this a lot of thought, and, and we've talked about this, is, you know, the NBA, they're not trying – well, my sense in talking to them is they're not trying to go after the guys going 58 and 60 and maybe even 65 in a 55 zone. But this has been a league of people going 85 and 95 and 105. And those are the ones that have to slow down. But they're saying these rules are hard and fast and they're going to be, you know, the problem's been some rules um, were not enforced, some were enforced. How do we know which ones? And I think there's a sense among teams as someone's going to get made an example of. Uh, someone's going to get made an example of. And uh, to to 
try to scare and, 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 and make teams think this is real? And um, what will that look like? What kind of violation are they going to, you know, because there's a big difference between sitting down with an agent at the draft combine at the Starbucks, where many a deal, early deal starts to take shape, you know, off Michigan Avenue in Chicago. Um, here's my list of eight free agents or nine free agents or two free agents. Who are you interested in? How are you looking to build your roster this offseason? How much are you going to spend here, there? Are you looking to re-sign that guy, or do you need my guy at his position? There's a big difference between that and having a deal agreed to done by the draft, and then you know, you've know you got a deal. Here's what they're trying to avoid. I've got a deal done. An agent and a team have a deal done on June 20th. Another team's trying to follow the rules. They call you, whether it's June 30th, or they call you maybe maybe the day or two before the start of free agency, and you're like, sorry, that guy's already off the market. And so what's this all going to look like? And then what's it going to be in practice? Yeah, I think one of the, the complaints that I heard a lot in the last, especially the last two years, was if you follow the rules, you're behind, you're now at a, at a competitive disadvantage. Um, if you don't wait, if you start, if you don't start your free agency until you're supposed to, or even if you gave it a little bit of a wiggle, um, uh, that you're behind. I, I think one of the one of the big moments in this was Joe Kim Noah signing with the Knicks. I remember that that deal was done like June 29th, and I don't blame him because the offer was so crazy that he couldn't say no. He was ready to say yes as fast as possible. But I remember that that was one of the first things. That's like been three years, and now um, if you started, if you didn't start, you know, expressing interest in making offers till June 29th, the market for your top guys was probably gone. So I think they want to restore that. I do definitely think that it's a scare tactic. You know, several times yesterday, Adam Silver said, it's my job here to create pressure, or I think he said, create tension. Uh, he basically, you know, he was basically saying, I want teams to be afraid of me. Now, whether they'll actually uh, be in practice, I don't know. You know, sometimes what, what I see in the NBA is what people say in the summer and what they practice in the season is two very different things. That's across the board. You know, um, you can create ideas for your team, styles of play, roles for players. It all looks good at the, uh, at the meetings. Um, but when you get into practice, it's very hard to do it. So you might be right. Well, it may come down to, we have to make an example of somebody. Um, I will say that Adam Silver has brought some of this on himself. Um, he has been, as commissioner, he has been relatively relaxed about enforcing rules and way more interested from a business standpoint in revenue creation and creating positive uh, uh, relationships with owners and players than David Stern, who cared way more about controlling power than he does but did about positive relationships. And so some of this is Adam Silver's, the way he's elected to govern, which has had many upsides and many positive things. Um, this is one of the downsides. And, and well, something happened this summer that I think draws a red line almost between the old school and the new school. Um, one of the most fascinating stories of the summer, in my opinion, was when the Pacers did the sign-and-trade deal with the Bucks mm-hmm. for Malcolm Brogdon. And in that deal, uh, Herb Simon, who is m- maybe the oldest owner now mm-hmm. um, that Rich DeVos has passed away, mm-hmm. um, if not the longest standing owner, he's right there. 
he called the Bucks ownership and said, uh, "I I don't believe in giving off. I, I don't believe in giving offer sheets to my against my partners. Right? Um, uh, let's work out a deal." And so the the, the concept that um, we are partners in this room, in this room of us thirty governors, uh, we are partners. We are not to be doing backhanded things with each other is the nature of the way that Herb Simon looks at the business. That was the way David Stern, not every day, but a lot of ways, looked at it. In the Adam Silver era, it's a much different era. It's uh, every man for himself. And so I think Adam, while he's reacting to people getting a little out over their skis, I think he is sort of fixing his own problem here. And the enforcement will be interesting because at the end of the day, Woj, I don't think that they're going to be able to police player to player. No, no. Tampering. And, and, and I want to get to the player-to-player, player, but but a couple of things you said about Silver and Stern there. You know, Simon is an owner who is one of the few owners really held over from the, you know, the heyday of the David Stern era. And it was a very different league. Owners were very different in that era than the owners Adam Silver has to deal with. Adam That's Silver's, true. you know, at that time, there were a lot of owners who bought teams what numbers now that we would just that are preposterous, uh, preposterously low, and made a ton of money during that era. The, the the valuations of those teams exploded, and they looked at David Stern as a guy who helped them get, you know, very rich, richer, and helped them have these teams that they could either sell or or, or have that were just and and they deferred to him. They gave him a lot of latitude to be their voice and to run the league the way he wanted because of that. And I remember when the when it was going from Stern to Silver, somebody used the example to me of how different Adam Silver's tenure would look, and I, and I think it holds up. They said the league is going to go from kind of like a centralized power in, let, let's just put it in government context, centralized power in Washington. David Stern, the power was in Washington. And under Adam Silver, in a lot of ways, it was going to be state power because you had all these individual owners who many of them, you know, they obviously spent a lot more on these teams. Many of them are, you know, self-made billionaires. Uh, and I guess some inherited it. But for the most part, it's a different group and you have to manage them. And it's not easy managing <laughs> this group of owners. And they're not just compliant the way many of them were. Under Stern, so I think Silver Style has had to be, and I think he's a better fit for this age. Um, the one thing, though, I think will be important because I'm hearing a lot of comparisons with NBA executives right now to the NCAA model, which is they fear selective enforcement. That was always a charge of David Stern that he had his favorites, and whether it was big market, longtime uh, friends. Uh, business associates, people who did his bidding around the league and got things done for him, that there was a that was a perception that there was preferential treatment. Now you hear this all the time. Fans always want to believe, certainly, the league's against my team, they're for this team, or they're for big market versus small market. I'm hearing that again among front office people that they worry that this will feel like these NCA investigations where you know, the old Tark joke, I think Tark originated, you know, the NCAA. One got, of the greatest lines yeah, of all the, time. Yeah, the NCAA is so mad at Kentucky, they put Cleveland State on, you know, two years probation. Uh, and I heard a variation of that over the last week. And so I do think there's a fear, especially with these random audits, um, or 
you know, any any other way that teams are going to be investigated, looked at, that will there will there be a patsy? Will there be somebody who's not a favorite of the league office, not a big market, not a close friend of the commissioner? Like, and he can make this. I think Adam Silver, the best thing he can do here is to really, like, take, you know, go where the information leads, go where the violations are, and, like, if if some small market team gets popped for tampering, I think fairly or unfairly, that's it. But I do think for Adam Silver's sake and for the credibility of this whole operation, he's probably going to have to go walk up to one of the big market bullies and punch him right in the mouth if they, you know, get wind of, uh, you know, legitimate evidence and, and have to pop somebody. Well, and I think if Adam was on this call right now, he would probably say, well, the harshest tampering fine I've given out in my tenure was to the Lakers. That's right. To me, a big moment in, in, in tampering history was the Chris Paul trade to the, um, to the to the Rockets, so we had seen for a long time, and and more and more players getting together um, and uh, sort of working together to, to to decide to go someplace. But most of the time, they were free agents. The 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 height of it being the Heat um, when those three guys got together. Now it was a little bit more simple because again, they were all unrestricted free agents. They all were represented by the same agency, so it there was a there was a commonality that made it more feasible. When Chris Paul elected to, you know, make his trade demand to the, um, to, to, to the Houston. Now he was a free agent to be. He had the yeah. option and he ultimately yes. picked it up. But this was a case where player to player talking brought the team into it and the team and the player sort of worked side by side. Um, and that I think crossed the Rubicon a little bit, uh, because we've seen that more and, and we certainly saw it this summer. Um, with, uh, Kawhi and, and, and Paul George working together and bringing teams into it. And then again, uh, to a certain extent, although the, the Thunder were going to trade Russell Westbrook no matter what, but certainly Harden and Westbrook working together and then bringing the teams into it. I think that's an area. Okay. You can't police the player to player. The players are going to talk and they're going to want to do things. And, and, and the idea that this has now gone to players under contract as opposed to all guys who are free agents, but where I think that's where, that's where if I'm, a, if, if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks and I'm worried about keeping my MVP, I, I can't control if players talk to Giannis and say, Hey, come play with me, whatever. But what I don't want is a player acting as a proxy of a team. And to me, that's where I think that there could be targeting. And I think also it's a fair uh, complaint by the teams who are afraid of getting their yeah, guys. Put. And Brian, that that's 100% where the league plans to target on this. They, they understand they're not targeting two players out at dinner or two players texting about wanting to play together. What the league says they want to do, what's been communicated to the, to the, the owners, the teams is when a player is acting on behalf of his organization, when the or, when when the owner or the GM puts the player up to, um, hey, that guy's under contract in small market A, like start working that guy to ask for a trade demand, or let's or you start working that guy 
let him know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna offer A, B, C, and D to his team to get him out of there to bring him here. That's what they're after is when a player is doing it on behalf when it's an orchestrated um, when that's orchestrated. And I and I think you're right, the player to player, and and it you know certainly with the Harden, Chris Paul to Houston, and then Harden. To Westbrook to move Chris Paul out of Houston. It, the one difference yeah. with the Paul, the yeah. one difference with the Kawhi Leonard was Kawhi wasn't under contract yet with the Clippers. He was a free agent, and that's true. And I, I think, listen, we know that. I think a little bit got lost in translation there, um, as and, and whether Doc was talking at some event. I think maybe Doc was. The other day, talking at some to some group, and 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 there were some reporters there, or Arash was there, and however that was, I don't know exactly the circumstances. We, the idea that Chris, uh, the idea that Kawhi Leonard first introduced the idea of trading for Paul George in his meeting with the Clippers from a list. We know that days before free agency started, Kawhi, well, be- days before. Kawhi and Paul George were talking. Paul George's agent went to Oklahoma City prior to the start of free agency and said he would. Paul would like to be traded to the Clippers. He wants to play with Kawhi. Um, but at that point, Kawhi wasn't allowed to be talking with the Clippers. You know, they didn't. They couldn't officially have contact with him until after you know June thirtieth, six p.m. So, uh, but that is. Among the small market teams, the player to player, and as one GM said to me the other day, like the teams are often the last to know in these instances. The star player goes out and starts working a guy and then comes back and says, Okay, I want this guy. And that happens. Or somebody's star player in a small market's getting worked by a big market um, player. And so that's the frustration of, I think, the small market teams and, and where they feel like, aggrieved is like there's like hey remember the player's going to get 100% of his money we're not getting 100% of value when we have to trade these guys so um once a trade request goes public you've already lost what it maybe put whatever percent 25% of his value 35 50 in terms of what you can get and the player may often have a trade kicker that gets him more than 100% of his money so that that's the push and pull that's going on here and i think that's you know, none of that's going to be solved by any legislation. I agree. It'll be interesting. It'll just be interesting to see how they enforce it and and whether or not we we know we notice an uptick or a uh, or a pullback in 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 deals that happened before um, before June thirtieth. Because this year, I don't know. You're always on the cutting edge of everything, but like I felt that this year. I was aware of more deals before June 30th than any other time. And, you know, that played out that way. Yeah. And um, I, I would say that you were always aware of those deals. Often in the past, you wouldn't report them until after the start of free agency. And there seemed to be more of a sense on both sides that it was fine for it to be reported sooner. I think there'll be less. Well, there'll be virtually no. But, no, but you, no, you, you yeah. You've also always got to be careful because, like, for this year, for example, it was like loud and and clear that like, oh, Ricky Rubio is going to uh, Indiana. Ricky Rubio is going to Indiana, and like, and I, I heard that. Oh yeah, Indiana is lining up Ricky Rubio, and then guess what? They got Brogdon. 
Well, th- think so think of think, it's a good well, thing I didn't say anything. No, no, but that's exactly that. right, and it does change. And think of why it changed. Think of the uh, sequence of events. Utah was focused on Meritich, right? And then a couple days before free agency, he says, "I'm I'm going to just sign in Spain. I'm going to Barcelona. Right? He's in Barcelona. Um, I, now, I, can't, I can't remember which one. Yeah, it was, so yeah. he he goes to Barcelona or Spanish ACB, um, and now. Indiana, who thought they were going to re-sign Bogdanovich, figured maybe in that 50 to 55 million range. All of a sudden, free agent opens, free agency opens. Uh, Utah goes right for Bogdanovich. They meet, uh, pretty quickly at the start of free agency, offer him 70, 73, right? 73 million dollars. And now he's on his way to Utah. Utah goes, or excuse me, Indiana's like, oh man, what do we, what, what do we, you know, we, we've got to um, pivot. They go after Brogdon, who was looking for his, you know, a big offer sheet somewhere. He was a restricted free agent, remember? And and you, you described it earlier that they end up doing the sign and trade instead of the offer sheet. And, uh, you know, Rubio ends up, uh, you know, they signed Jeremy Lamb too in Indiana. And then Rubio ends up going to to Phoenix. But, but you're right. There was a sense that they were going to spend a lot of their money on Rubio coming in and they got so anyway but but it does change and what will happen this is what i think the byproduct may be if if you don't have a lot of these deals uh really orchestrated well before free agency it's going to be a tremendous advantage for the teams because what happens is now you've got agents and players who have to make quicker decisions very quickly in short windows of time and teams are going to use the fear of, hey, that money is drying up. It's going to somebody else. You've got a you've got a half an hour to decide. And now, all of a sudden, a player who might have had a much bigger window to really think about and and sift through offers of where he would fit and what the best offer was, and his agent worked on it all spring since the guy's season ended and through the combine and pre-draft. Now, all of a sudden, you're in free agency, and they call you and say. Hey, you got a half an hour. Do you you want to you want to take this offer? And you know, hypothetically, Atlanta, Indiana, or you know, or Portland, whatever it is, and you don't have time to get on the phone with the coach, the general manager, maybe some teammates. How would I fit there? I and 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 it's... now will that may cause some you know guys don't make good decisions. They don't have the time, and and I think that is the concern. But it becomes an advantage that goes back to the teams away from the agents if people were to legitimately and wholeheartedly adhere to these rules and not have free agent talks or deals done before June 30th. Yeah, teams, uh, players don't take like real visits anymore or even have real meetings. Like, um, um, you know, I, this wasn't even that long ago, but the, the Vegas Summer League, like everybody would talk for three or four days. And then the meetings happened in Vegas, and then that's where the contracts typically would go, would, would get done. Um, now the Vegas Summer League starts and everybody's done, although there was a great moment. At the, so the, um, the, uh, the, the Kauai thing happened the first night of Summer League this year, mm-hmm. I think, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. it? The, the earthquake happened the, earthquake the same night. night. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a great story out there. I don't have the full story. Um, Maybe somebody else can come up with it later, but 
uh, apparently there's this uh, there's this restaurant in Vegas where NBA players like to go, um, and uh, one of the reasons they like to go there is because there's a whole bunch of private rooms and they can very easily get private rooms to eat in. And so apparently um, LeBron and I don't know if Anthony Davis was with them, but you know um, LeBron was there with a, with a group. Um, Paul George was there with a group, and Patrick Beverly was there as well. Mm-hmm. And there are other NBA players involved, but those are the three parties that I heard. And so the deal actually gets done. Uh, you report um, at whatever time in the morning um, that uh, Kawhi has not only agreed to uh, sign with the Clippers, but that the Clippers are trading half their uh, future for Paul George. It's a stunning development. And it all goes down while those players are all in the same restaurant in various private <laughs> rooms and uh, – and, um, I guess Beverly was uh, making a uh, making the, way a, I, the story that I heard <laughs> was that Patrick was making a beeline down the down the hallway of private rooms, sticking his head into all the rooms, gloating about the Clippers' <laughs> giant hall, um, including into LeBron's room. And that, you can imagine, you know, you know how Beverly talks. Yeah, you know, I, and, you know that doesn't and sound Bev like had already, yeah, right, and Bev had already. Um, you know, uh, you know, committed to staying with the Clippers, you know, part was, you know, he had already gotten his big money, so he was already in a good mood. So, um, but those, the, you know, it's a long-winded way of saying that th- that's long gone now because, you know, typically by the time summer league happens, all the deals are over with. And that's just uh, an example of how the, frankly, I, I don't know if you want to use the word tampering, but the speed of, of, uh, of talks and stuff has just, it just happened so much in the last few years where, you know, teams, players will sometimes, you know, commit to four and five year contracts without ever stepping foot in the other, in, you know, in, in the team's facility. Um, you know, or even having a long, full out, you know, conversation with the coach sometimes. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I think that because the 2020 free agent class is so lean and it, it's, um, it's a weak class and, much of the interest and intent for the, the changes really are focused back on 2021. And you mentioned uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Obviously, he's a free agent then. You know, who knows if he makes it to free agency? He could resign um, right. before then. Um, you know, he could he could make it clear that he's not going to be out on the market. We're still a long way away from that. And uh, it, it'll be interesting, and that's going to be around the time that collective bargaining talks start to, you know, I think over the next year, I think owners are starting to formulate what exactly it is that they're going to, you know, start looking toward, looking for in the next CBA talks and, and certainly control and, and I think small markets are going to want, um, you know, to have, you know, certainly revenue sharing is always a big part of it. That's really between the owners. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, some of the things we talked about with trade demands, you know, one thing the NBA, I've heard a couple GMs bring up with me, you see it in baseball, compensatory picks where you lose yeah. a free agent. Now, baseball draft is, um, you know, you see guys, I, right, you get a first, you get an extra pick at the end of the first round, right? Based on the kind of free agent you lose. And, and so, uh, you know, certainly those will be things the Players Association will, will that's an interesting concept to. because, you know, in baseball, I don't, I don't, I don't think this happens in football. But we, we, baseball, need, we need Jeff Passan for this. I'm probably yeah, I know, butchering this. I know. Um, but I pretty, I'm pretty sure that they stick like a little a little special round in between the first and second round. Yeah. Which is like a compensatory round. So, you know, one of the things that um, 
that uh, is one of the more desirable sweet spots of the draft is like picks 31 through about 36 because you get first round talent in there and you don't have to give them a guaranteed contract or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there is some room there for some negotiation where you could, but you could stick some compensatory picks in there that certainly wouldn't, you know, make losing uh, a guy like Kawhi Leonard uh, uh, palatable, but you know, you could do something. Um, and there's, there is a, there is a little zone there, but the other thing about 2021 is, so since the cap spike in 16, the cap has sort of crawled. It was such an enormous infusion of cash. This is why they call it the spike, that the cap has actually kind of very, is, is very only gradually grown. And the, and the, and the forecasts that the, um, that the league just gave the, uh, teams ahead of this week's uh, owners meetings, again, predicted a very small bump. In fact, it re- they cut it even by a million, I think from uh, 2019 to 2020. But in 2021, however they figure that out, they are expecting another little surge. Mm -hmm. And so not only do you have Giannis Antetokounmpo and maybe Gulp Clippers fans, Kawhi Mm -hmm. Leonard and Paul George and and a a very strong uh, 2020 class, but the cap is also scheduled to bump that year. So so the teams that have these visions of, you know, getting their two – you know, max slots get that little extra room. So, yes, we knew for a long time, probably a good eighteen months, that the summer of twenty nineteen was going to be wild. It was wild, and there are already indications all over the dashboard that um, twenty twenty one is headed for that. And Woj, as you were saying, maybe the NBA, cognizant of twenty twenty one, throws down a warning penalty to somebody in 2020 to set the stage for everybody to follow the new rules in 2021. Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So, of course, he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash W-O-J. ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One other factor in this, too, that I think has gained more intrigue among teams, executives, is, and, and the Rockets brought this into a meeting last year, had a proposal around flipping the draft and free agency that would allow these conversations that, at this point, are not legal um, to to basically take the framework of what free agency works in practice, which is you know, teams are talking, are able to talk over a longer period of time with free agents, 
you know, th- there was talk about, well, why don't we just allow, like, even in, in, in the model now, when a player's season is over, when the regular season is over, let agents legally be able to talk about players who are done versus, you know, and if a guy's in the playoffs, you have to wait till his team's eliminated, and that didn't, that's not happening. But if they just flipped the draft and free agency, uh, which there is more support for than maybe even a year or two ago, the problem is it's got to be collectively bargained with the Players Association. The league has had no success trying to get the one-and-done eliminated because, and I understand, the what had always been a union issue, let everybody in the draft, let high school players, you know, graduating high school players in, they should all be eligible, which is what the union always wanted, the league pushed back against, and now it's flipped, but the union wants something in return from the league. Of course. Right? They don't want to just say, <laughs> you know... I get it. The league's in there going, hey, you guys always wanted this. This is for the, you know, we all think this is best. Let's do it. And the union's like, no, 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 no. You guys are the one pushing it now. Give us something in return. And what the league wants is actually, if we're going to do it, we want to have um, better access to medical information and the draft of all these players. If we're going to be drafting high school players, we got to have all the information. And you, you can't hold out, hold out medical from certain teams. Those yeah, that's that's the battle royale. The battle yeah. royale on yes. that front, and you've described this, is that, and the union is absolutely. This is what's holding back one and done. Yeah, right. Is that there's like, oh, if we draft eighteen year olds, we're not going to know that much about them, so we've got to do a very very thorough thorough medical diagnosis. Nineteen uh, year olds, we know everything about them, no problem. Eighteen year olds, we know nothing about them. <laughs> and you know the, the concept that you can do a blood test, and you know I, I'm going to embarrass myself on the sports science people. I don't know, but you know they, you know, you know they, they watch somebody's gait and they go, well, he's seventeen uh, percent more likely to have a uh, torn ACL mm-hmm. in the next six years, and the guy gets red flagged because of it. Like the, the union doesn't want that, the agents don't want that, and so. They're like, no, you're not going to use this as a proxy to be able to invade our guy's privacy uh, and, and do stuff like that. So, like, in, unless I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say right now, unless the uh, league drops the demand for the the more deeper vetting on the player's health, there will not be one and done. That's right. <laughs> That's right. There's there's two things holding up that, and then participation in the combine. But both sides, I've gotten the sense that. There's a negotiation on of participation, course. and even I think the union believes it is good for the player to go there, at least through the media, do have some sort of presence at the combine, uh, you know, get the physicals done there. They're not all going to work out for teams, certainly. It is the medical, and the owners, you know, front office's owners, you know, want that information. And so the union so far, their sense has been, hey, these are things we'll collectively bargain during the next session, we're not really that interested in, well, at least not unless we got what we want here. We're not doing this off the cycle. And the and it gets back to the original point here of flipping the draft and free agency. They would need union involvement on that. And I think if the union senses there's something the league really wants, well, right, they, they, it may be smarter to hold <laughs> on to that, to use it as a right. trade of something that they're, Absolutely. you know, later on in, in the CBA. And so that's what's holding back uh, that, you know, that's a big part of what holds that back 
right now. One small market GM, I thought a really interesting point about the benefit of having, especially, listen, it's mostly a league of small markets. You know, there's very few teams who are making big splashes in free agency. Typically, it's the big markets. And that, I thought one small market GM had a pretty good point about, listen, like, you have more enthusiasm with a small market team heading into your summer. You, you would have more enthusiasm if the draft was what you left your fans with. Instead of the draft comes and goes pretty Very quick, you draft Very your guy, everybody's excited about him, and then all of a sudden you go to free agency and you know you have a couple exceptions you use. Maybe you re-sign a player, you sign a guy to a mid-level, and for the most part you're out. You do your work in trades and, and uh, drafting and in small markets. And that it would kind of send you into summer and into season ticket sales on a much higher note because most of the league isn't getting Kawhi Leonard. Most of the league's not getting Paul George or uh, getting Durant and Kyrie. They're they're just they're signing, you know, smaller ticket players. And and I thought that was an interesting. That's not a reason to do it, but I think it's an interesting factor. That's a that's a very good point. I I agree with that. It, it'll be. It'll be a horse trade for sure, but um, I put it this way: while it wasn't even like seriously voted on, I think when it was first brought up, more and more people are bringing it up to me. So I do think it's an idea that is gaining steam, and it also would be—I just think in general—the um, draft to a certain extent gets short shrift because the the finals come right up on it, and um, you know certainly if your team was eliminated in April, you look forward to it longer. But I think you know giving the draft more of its more a little bit more of a do, and there is time in the calendar if you start a free agency sooner. I mean, you know, in baseball, it doesn't happen this way. Uh, in baseball, for some reason, the the top free agents don't sign till February. But um, um, baseball free agency technically opens the the day after the World Series ends. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine the excitement level in the NBA if. If you you have your 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 culmination of your season, which is the finals, whether it's four one or seven games, and then immediately go into the biggest most fun thing for everybody, which is free agency, and then top that all off with the draft, um, give the draft a little bit more of a center stage. I think it's actually from a, it makes sense on a lot of levels. Yeah, well, look at that. In one morning, Brian, we have solved all the NBA's <laughs> all the NBA's problems. Right. Uh, Brian Winhurst, the host of the Hoop Collective podcast on ESPN. Uh, subscribe, listen. Uh, it'll be back here in full force with the start of the season. And, of course, the author of the New York Times bestseller, LeBron Inc. Brian, thanks for jumping on with me on a Saturday morning. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Woj. I will see you soon. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, ESPN's Brian Windhurst. Be sure to check out Brian's podcast, The Hoop Collective, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your pods. And of course, please download and subscribe to The Woj Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts for all the new and archived episodes. We'll catch you again soon.